0: Welcome to The Gathering. Honest conversations about life, faith, and everything in between. I'm Abiola and today we are joined by Susie who's going to share her story about getting um, the Guide to Prayer published and her experience because it is a very radical and non-traditional path of getting it done. What struck me the most about this conversation is the foundational role that prayer actually played in this. It wasn't just about strategies and tactics and best practice. It was about what is God saying and are you going to act on it? We also explore the topics of staying at your post and staying faithful to what God has called you to in whatever season of life you're in. And not relying on the one breakthrough to make your whole life, but solely relying on God and fixing your eyes on Jesus. Okay, so hi Susie. Hi. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm really, really excited about this conversation that we're about to have and for you to just share your story. But before we get into it, I always like to ask our guests, kind of how did you find God to begin with? What is your story? Did you grow up in a Christian home? Did you not? How did you kind of come to Jesus?
1: I became a Christian when I was five. I grew up in a Christian home. Um, I remember having a real sense of uh, repentance at the mm. age of five, all the things that I had done wrong. So I don't know what I'd done, but um, <laughs> I don't think it was too bad, but I just had a sense of really wanting to be right with God at that age. So um, I committed my life to the Lord at five. Um, sure, I've had my ups and downs since then. Yeah. And, you know, as, as we work through to find our own faith, and not just the faith of our parents yeah. if we've grown up in a Christian home. That can be quite a stormy time. So there was definitely some of that. But, um, I, yeah, I always had that sense, I think, that um, a, a close connection with the Lord. Mm. And that even if that wasn't always reflected in my life, as in my teenage years. Um, yeah, so I've been growing, growing ever since.
0: So how is it that a five-year-old can know that they need to be with God what 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 does that experience feel like
1: I think just knowing that um Jesus died for me and that he I just had a real sense of his love as a child actually Mm. and so I just wanted to respond to that I think it's hard to remember exactly um how I felt I remember being quite hungry afterwards (laughs) (laughs) um and having and eating sandwiches um afterwards with my parents and just talking about it and having a sense of joy wow. I think I think it's simple I think it's quite yeah. a simple simple thing um at, at that age and, and as how did part of become me
0: that... part of your parent how did it become distinguished from your parents because sometimes people always say well you grew up in a Christian home so you haven't really thought for yourself you're just inheriting something
1: I think experiencing um God for myself mm. and so um being out in the world being asked questions asking asking questions of my faith asking yeah. questions of myself um i went to boarding school when i was 11 so i was suddenly thrust into a world where i wasn't with my parents mm. and um and that was actually an incredibly tough experience so i uh, i remember a number of times just going off and praying on my own and and the relief that i would suddenly feel as i remembered i could pray about a situation that was overwhelming yeah so I think oh yeah I can pray about it and I just remember that relief and knowing that God would do something because if he didn't do something about it I was I was going to be stuffed basically so I learned quite quite young in that sense to rely on him.
0: Wow that's brilliant amazing great so today we're like one of the main things we're going to talk about but then I think it's going to completely expand all over is um, just the story of you basically getting a book published so um Susie basically kind of revised updated and revised according to the cover of the book um a diary of private prayer by John Bailey which is one of the apparently one of the most popular like prayer guides or prayer journals um and Susie kind of went on this like very radical journey of actually getting it republished it sounds like it may may be easy but it definitely wasn't and I remember we were basically leading Sunday school at the same time and we just happened to start talking about books and then it became this like radical story (laughs) and I was in silence and I was just like I didn't have anything to say in response to you because I'm stunned into shock so I just think it would be amazing to just really dig into yeah where where does the story even begin um it's funny you say it's a radical story. It didn't feel radical at the time. It mm. just felt
1: crazy. But also, it, it started, it crept up on me, really, I think. Mm. Um, it started by us being given a copy of the original book, yeah. uh, which is a, a, you know a book of beautiful prayers. And I was really blessed by those prayers. And At the time, we were working with some people who were illiterate Mm -hmm. and they were uh, becoming Christians, which was amazing. And I was thinking, wow, this book could be amazing for them as, as new Christians to have some prayers, to pray. You know, we can't always think... Of the right words to pray before the Lord, even when we've been Christians for many years, Mm. let alone at the beginning. So I was inspired to update and revise this book. And I was thinking, because it was all these and thous, oh Lord, would thou do that? You know, it's King James language and it felt a little inaccessible for the modern age. So I thought, wow, it would be great to do this. And so I wrote to the publisher and asked for uh, my letter to be passed on to the family of, of John Bailey and said, you know, would you be interested in this being revised? I've always had a love of writing, I've written poetry since I was a small mm. child and thought, you know, perhaps this is something I could do. And um, I, I mean, months of trying to get through to the family, it was such an old book that it was, I don't know, for whatever reason, it was hard to get in touch with them, but eventually I did. And I got in touch with his son, John Bailey's son, who was still alive and an elderly man. And he um, said, oh, it's interesting that I was asking that. They had a number of people who have, had taken interest in revising the book. Um, and would I send him some samples of my work of, you know, what I would do with it if I wanted to? So I sent him that and didn't didn't hold out too much hope. But anyway, I then uh, did get a letter from him saying, we liked your version and we'd like you to do it, which was an incredible affirmation, really. And then they put me in touch with... Um, a man called Robin Boyd, who was a scholar um, and um, had been a missionary and a theologian and also a friend. He was a friend of Ian Bailey's and he'd originally been a student of the original John Bailey oh, wow. back in the day. So really um, amazing man. And, and they, he said, would you kind of, would you kind of work alongside him or would you do the work, but then just send it to him for kind of final tweaks or whatever, Mm -hmm. which I was more than happy to do and actually developed a wonderful relationship with Robin over the years after that. So at the time I was a mum with small children um, and actually it took me years to do this project. Um, There are 64 prayers in there. How many years? Well, from inception to publication, 10 Wow. Yeah. Um, But publication took time as well. Um, But in terms of the work I did on it, I would say maybe five years. Um, And I was doing it around nappy changes and school runs and, and, you know, life, the stuff of life. Um, And Hmm. uh, yeah, so that took me some time to do, but it was an incredible kind of Blessing to me to do it as well, because I was being blessed by the prayers as I was doing it. Yeah. so then I then had a book, but no publisher.
0: Mm. so so you got in touch with the publisher, I guess, just through looking on like a general contact email on the website, and then they put you in touch with the family. yeah, and then the family were kind of up for you writing it, but then you mentioned then you had to get it published. That yeah. was like a process in itself. So why was that a process if you'd already gone through the publisher to get to the family?
1: Okay, yeah, that's that's a good point. I think um, it had been originally published, but it wasn't still being published. Mm-hmm. So it had been ar- originally published by Oxford University Press, mm-hmm. and it wasn't still being published by them. Um, and then um, w- we eventually found out um, that it was being published still in America. Right. By Scribner, which is an imprint of Simon Schuster,
0: right?
1: Uh, but we didn't know that at the time. And, um, so I had a, a number, a couple of very close calls with publishers here in England, which both, um, ended in a no, uh, w- which was really disappointing. And, um, and then I felt, I just sensed in prayer that the Lord was saying, like, look, who, who who's publishing it now? And then I saw that it was Simon & Schuster because it wasn't still being published in England. It was only being published in America. And so um, I thought, okay, great, I'll just get in touch with with them. And so I went on the website and thought that, you know, there'd be a kind of a contact email or a contact number, but... There wasn't, <laughs> of course. Um, they, you know, they don't want to hear from just anybody. Yeah,
0: they're one of the biggest publishers in the world, aren't they? Simon yeah, and she's so they wow. are.
1: You know, so they they published many books, including I, you know, I think the same year it was Hillary Clinton's Hard Choices. So wow. yeah, you know, they they weren't sort of going to be that available, which is completely understandable. So it felt slightly like. Um, a fortress, I had a sort of picture of trying to break into a fortress, mm. trying to figure out how to get in touch with them. And the family didn't have any, any contacts that we knew of. So, um, I felt a bit, you know, I was a bit stuck at that point.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you said you had a picture of a fortress. Do you mean you had a visual, a mental like, yeah. prophetic picture? Is that yeah. So
1: it what was happened? a bit of a prophetic picture, um, because I was thinking I, I want to get in touch with them, but I couldn't. And I just sort of had this picture of a fortress that I was trying to get into. And um, it was at that time that I picked up um, The Circle Maker. I was actually sent it by a friend called Anna from um, Australia and she had sent this book to me and I I sort of looked at it and and wasn't sure about it because I'm not really a kind of formulaic Christian. I don't think, well, if you do this and you do this, you know, kind of formulaic prayer, I've got a little bit of a, you know, you're definitely gonna get this. And I, I thought it was that at first, but I I really respect the the friend that sent it to me, so I started reading it, and actually it it wasn't it wasn't like that. It was just an incredibly inspiring book on, yeah. on prayer, as you know, because you've read it, abiola right? Yeah.
0: So when you first told me that the Circle Maker was part of the story, I was kind of taken aback because yeah, it's a book that I can't even remember how I came across it. I think one of my friends, Sheng, probably mentioned it to me, and so we read it and we were like, wow, 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 blown away because it's quite. Um, Like you said, inspiring is actually the right word. Sometimes the word inspiring is overused, but this is actually like an inspiring book with lots of stories and people's testimonies and just really challenges you to have a bit of a bolder faith. Um, So my friends and I, we read that book and then we got the... it's called Draw the Circle, which mm-hmm. is, like, a 40-day yep. devotional, yep. and we did that. I've done it individually oh, wow. myself. I've done it with my friends. We used to wake up at, like, 7 a.m. in the morning and, like, read it to each other, Amen. or maybe 6, or, like, and then just, like, do it for the 40 days, and, like, we just had a lot of faith. So when you mentioned that to me, I, I had, like, a like my heart, like, kind of race because I'd never heard, apart from these two friends, I don't think I'd ever... um had anybody else mention it to me or Mm. I had not heard of it Mm. because it was American but anyway that's an aside so Mm. yeah so you picked up the circle maker a little at first a bit cautiously yeah and then um started to get inspired by it and then what happened next
1: yeah so I started to get up at six in the morning and pray I should say actually the time that I received the book was a time of burnout for me I, I'd taken a massive step back from ministry, my husband's a pastor, we were in North London in quite a tough place mm. and I was burnt out completely and I'd, I'd had to take a step back from everything other than basically just my home yep. and my family um, and so it came at a dark time where I'd kind of lost a bit of hope to be honest with you and mm. um, anyway, I, I I was inspired by this, by this book and it was talking about praying circles around your biggest dreams and your greatest fears yep. and... I'd got to that point where I, I felt like I didn't have any dreams left. And I was so sort of burnt out. I was like, well, what is there to dream about? And I felt this li- this little voice came to me in prayer, just this little thought dropped into my mind. Why don't you pray for your book to be published? How you've done all that work. I'd put it to one side. It'd been maybe a year, maybe two, I can't remember. And um, I was like, well, you know, I've been rejected. Mm-hmm. It, won't, it won't happen. But I've felt it quite clearly. So I got started to get up at six in the morning and started to pray. And then I felt that was when I had that word about look at who originally published the book and I started to get this picture of this fortress and I started to pray and I got in touch with the family and said, do you know anyone Within Simon and Schuster who might you know be able to help, I ha- hadn't heard anything from them. and in the in the circle maker, he focuses a, quite a bit on the story of um Joshua mm-hmm. and Jericho and how Joshua went round the, the the city of Jericho praying um every day for seven days and then seven times on the last day. Okay. and um and he said to joshua i've I've given the city into your hands." um oh, the angel said that to Joshua. and so I felt a little bit like i was a bit like joshua i had this sort of sense that this was really something i should pray for and that god was going to give this yeah, situation dear. into my hands which was amazing anyway um i then felt led to go back on the website and look and i noticed that they had a uh, publishing house in King's Cross, which was about a mile and a half from me. Mm -hmm. So I thought, what would it look like if I went down there and started praying around the walls?
0: And yeah, (laughs) yeah.
1: we suddenly went from like rational, good ideas to kind of cray-cray. Anyway, so uh, I only had three hours a week to do this. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Because my daughter was in nursery for three hours in those three hours. So my son was in school. And so this was kind of like my only time to myself, which is, as any young mum will know, the most golden time of your week where you actually have time to yourself so anyway I walked down there I I circled the building seven times in prayer and then I came back and then I decided that oh that is what I was going to do every uh week and that took probably it took a couple of hours it took pretty much all the time and the thing that I really noticed about that that time was it was so tiring Mm. It was tiring because I was just praying so hard, but this is what I felt I was meant to do. And then my husband woke up one morning and said, "I just had this dream that you and I were banging on the fortress, uh, the doors of a fortress." And I was like, "Yes, that is exactly what I'm doing." I'm, I, I didn't, I didn't know what else to do. So anyway, yeah. I was inspired by these stories of prayer, and um, so that's what I did week after week. Uh, prayed like a crazy person yeah um I felt pretty crazy while I was doing it if I was honest how Um, did
0: you know that this is what God said you should do because you mentioned already that you felt that that kind of um drop in your heart that actually maybe you could be the person to kind of revise it you got in touch with the family and I'm sure getting in touch with the family is a story in, in and of itself so and then out of everybody you got selected so that's almost like all the approval. But then what happens is when you face a fortress or when it's just like, okay, well, how am I going to get to this world famous publishing house? I'm walking around in circles in King's Cross, like, actually, <laughs> what is this? Yeah. You can start to doubt because I, yeah. and, and I've not even got to the point where I've like been walking around King's, like walking around something for seven, seven days or seven times, et cetera but just like maybe different types of roadblocks or not even distractions but maybe other other responsibilities come up and then you just think actually like maybe I was just overzealous previously and yeah it wasn't really maybe it's not that serious or maybe Mm. I was just overthinking it or maybe I was just not crazy at the time but yeah, yeah maybe I just got really excited so how what what for you kind of kept you grounded in that conviction because conviction really in my experience not conviction maybe about god although that may happen for some people but conviction about specific things in that you're called to do it can really get like attacked without kind of making this sound Mm. like scary but it just Mm. makes it it can really get attacked and you just start thinking i should just do just be normal Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, it was pretty it was just it was just quite an exhausting time doing that. And, I, you know, I'm not sure what the the one the one thing was that differentiated this from other prayer experiences in my life. But I had had this sense, I I think I think maybe actually the thing that differentiated it was that I was praying a lot more
0: Mm. and
1: I was getting up early at six in the morning, which for, you know, with the stage of life I was in, felt like a sacrifice. My kids had just started to sleep a bit later. <laughs> um, and so I was just praying a lot more. So I guess, you know, that, that, that's the only answer yeah, I have really. no fair enough. Um, was that it was, enough. I was just praying a lot more. And, and those times in and of themselves, I, as I was, you know, walking and doing all that, I think um, those were such precious times with Jesus. And mm. at the end of the day, if, if I'd all of, all I had come away with was those precious times with Jesus, that was a win.
0: Yeah, wow. So
1: prayer is never a bad idea. Yeah, it's beautiful.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's so key. And I think that really takes the pressure. I don't know if that's the right word, but the pressure of prayer. Because I've heard people say things like, you know, Christianity doesn't work. And I, my response to that is, is the point of it supposed to work as we imagine? We talked about like formulaic approaches to faith and things like that. Is the point of it that if I add this thing into my life, it's going to refine all my um, efforts and make mm. them into my wildest dreams? And yeah, maybe that happens in some mm. cases, but is that the point of Christianity or is the point of it to actually become who you are designed to be through a relationship with god like which is which is kind of more important
1: yeah i think we're in a very kind of results orientated and um that we know what's my takeaway yeah. you know and all that that's our culture now um and it's it can be you know it's not very life-giving actually yeah and it's but, not inducive to a good relationship yeah. really if it's all about take and yeah, so those times, actually, I, I still maintain that that time of prayer was a time where my biggest win was not getting my book published, but mm. it was um, like the growing closer to the Lord. That's amazing. Definitely.
0: So you've been walking now, burning a lot of calories, spending time with Jesus. And then how did you get down? Did the publisher just walk out the door yeah. and day? what
1: happened? <laughs> no, that didn't happen. Um, I, I was... Um, I was getting pretty tired and, and and fed up after weeks and weeks of doing this. Mm-hmm. I think months, and um and in the the Circle Maker book, um he talks about Mark Batterson talks about the um, Chuck Yeager who was the man that um broke the sound barrier. Mm-hmm. So many people died trying to break the sound barrier in aeroplanes. But what Chuck Yeager did was he was he carried on and, and, and the same sort of things happened to, that had happened before, Bits started falling off the planes. Uh, the dials went crazy and everything else. But he did finally achieve that boom, that sonic boom, where he broke the sound barrier and then there was the peace. And Mark Batterson mm. talks about it being like, like a bit like that in prayer when we're kind of we're holding on for dear life we the dials might be going crazy in life things seem to be going wrong and it can be right before mm. the breakthrough and that he sort of talked about that boom moment being either when you actually either see the breakthrough or you know in your heart I've had I know God's got this and I yeah. can kind of almost leave it be mm. and I was walking along t- uh, to King's Cross I was nearly in King's Cross and one morning and I was just kind of having a little bit of a rant and I was saying, Lord, I just want to feel that boom moment that Mark Batterson talks about in his book. And within a minute, I looked up and saw this bus going by and in huge capital letters, it just said, here comes the boom. (laughs) (laughs) Which was, I know, right? And I just stood there. I know. And I just stood there and I just laughed and I took a picture of it. I'm like, i was so pleased with myself remembering to do that. So I have a picture of that. And it, the bus said via King's Cross, which I love as well, because, you know, King's Cross, um, which was kind of amazing. So I love that. Um, I'll, I'll give you a picture of that, Abiela. But um, yes, it please. was it was amazing. And I just stood there laughing, thinking, did I really see this? And it was wow. um, it was advertising a movie that was coming out at the time called Here Comes the Boom. Who knew? Right. Um, anyway. I had this amazing wow. sort of boom moment. And then a couple of days later, sure enough, I had an email from the family sort of saying, actually, we don't have any contacts in um, in the publishing house. Um, we just found this like name on a piece of paper that had been written in um, Ian Bailey's handwriting. Ian Bailey was the son of John Bailey. He'd since passed away. Wow. Um, um, and and in four digits, and that was all there was. And I was like, at first I was disappointed and I was like, well, hang on a minute, I've had the boom, right? And we, I ended up Googling this name or permutations of what I thought the handwriting said. Mm-hmm. And it turned out that this person was someone who worked there still at the publishing yeah. house and was the vice president. <laughs> and um, oh and so... <laughs> um, Just and, happened to be the vice yeah, president. So I'm, to cut a long story short... Um, I rang the number mm-hmm. and ev- uh, eventually you know left a message. I actually wrote myself a little script because I was worried that I might say the wrong thing. Le- I rang the number and um and left a message and then uh within 3 days the senior editor there called me back, asked me to send her my manuscript gave me her email you know everything it was like the doors of the fortress just opened um and so that was completely incredible and so I sent my um my manuscript to them and and heard nothing I had absolutely nothing oh my gosh (laughs) Oh, so gosh. I was like, I was like, okay. So what did I? All I knew how to do was just go and pray. So again, I just kept doing my my crazy prayer walking, and I just kept doing that. Um, and I heard weeks went by, and I heard nothing. At one point, I actually emailed to say, "Did you actually even get it?" And she was like, "Yeah, we got it." And that was it, you know. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking, encouraging response. Yeah, I was thinking, okay, what's happening here? And so the things that I was praying was praying was that I was there was I was praying about. God priming their hearts with his Holy Spirit to publish the book. And um, that was kind of the language that I was using because again, in this book, the circle maker, he was talking about prayer being like a primer paint, Mm -hmm. you know, and you prime the walls and it's Mm -hmm. like prayer primes the day. You know, you get Mm. the prayer on first and then you're good to go kind of thing. And so I was just kind of picked on this word, like prime. And so I was praying that God would prime their hearts with his Holy Spirit, that his will would be done. And I was doing the circling. And then uh, after a month, I got an email and it just, it started. Dear Susanna, just to circle back with you, we are primed to go forward with your new edition. And I was just, I mean, I just got on my knees on the kitchen floor and started praising the Lord. And it was just those the words, you know, the primed and circled and.
0: Such an acknowledgement, like just like a nod from God that like this is. This isn't mm. a coincidence. Like this is mm. me, you know. It sounds mm. it sounds very small, but it's actually quite significant, especially because I think you mentioned like back then those weren't words that corporate people were using.
1: Yeah, I mean, everyone says, "Oh, sure, I'm going to circle back to you now," but it just I'd never even heard the expression before. Yeah, when she emailed me that, so that was the that was the breakthrough, and Amazing. with that, and um, you know, it was published. I think it took another two years for actually to be out on the shelves, as it were um it's and incredible. yeah it's so an incredible
0: story yeah so I guess um from that and I know that's even just this be kind of like cutting the story short to be honest because I know that there's certain other things and they yeah. may come out in the rest of our conversation sure sure um but what I loved about this is that you've actually talked about different times different like manifestations of prayer and maybe you'll like refine or correct me on this but just hearing just You know, for example, like the circling, physically going round, praying to God, then also like exploring God through this book, discovering Mm. a new uh, new side of prayer. And then as a result, like relationship with God, you also talked about having a rant, um, which I think some people like stay away from a bit because they think that prayer needs to be a certain like formal do x y and z thing and actually Mm. it's it's more of a conversation or a relationship Mm. um so I just wanted to just get your through that experience and I'm sure many other experiences that you've had just in life in general that is what would you kind of say to people who who feel almost bound by their prayer life or lack thereof because they feel like they're just not doing it right you know sometimes you can just feel like I'm not doing it right where do I even start
1: yeah I think you know I think there's an enemy voice there just Mm. wanting to stop us praying like let's undermine people's prayers and make them think they're doing the wrong thing Mm. so I think um that's that's part of it uh I don't think there's a wrong way to pray and I think we have to be willing to try new things um sometimes to try other people's words like John Bailey's words um and I think we pray differently in different seasons that we're in,
0: yeah, that's true. I'm definitely. Really um,
1: you know, we might have a time where we feel really called to pray and fast for something. You know, we might have a time where it's it's more about the silence. Um, but I think because prayer is a powerful weapon, prayer is effective. it changes everything it can change everything mm. um, and it brings us closer to God. There's mm. definitely a bit of a battle on there to to undermine our
0: efforts. okay, that's so good. So it's kind of like an encouragement to like kind of fight for your prayer life, not like fight for it, but just persevere in whatever it feels like at that stage because it's better to basically be trying slash praying, mm. even if you feel like you're not doing it right than not praying mm. at all because it's such a, like you said, it's such a powerful weapon. Mm. And what about for people who feel like I haven't experienced the bang moment or my life is just like mundane um, because we've talked before and you've kind of touched on, you know, at the end of the day, you were still recovering from, like, the burnout at that period. You were still a relatively new mum or mum with relatively young kids. Um, And, yeah, with all of that, we all have different, like, life things pulling us back. Not pulling us back, but pulling us... Like, that demand, that demand Mm. things of us that make Mm. us feel like, okay... But there's this one thing I'm there's this breakthrough I'm trying to get through. Mm. I'm I'm tired. Mm. Like you mentioned, mm. actually, you actually said that even the physical mm. circling experience was mm. tiring. Um, so, what kind of encouragement would you just give to someone who's really hoping and believing and maybe has almost given up on having some sort of breakthrough?
1: I think focus on Jesus. Mm. I think we focus on the breakthrough too much. Mm. I think I was very tired Mm. because praying is tiring. Expect it to be tiring. You know, um, Mm, the preacher Charles Spurgeon said, um, (laughs) what did he say? He said, uh, prayer is the hard work. Evangelism is the mopping up. And I think, wow, (laughs) right, I think prayer is the hard work. Expect it, you know, it can be hard. And I think, you know, that's okay.
0: Wow, yeah, I think that's great. I think sometimes just knowing that, it's something I've been thinking about a lot lately, and just I've been I'm really like camping around the story of the Israelites in the wilderness, which is such a, like well known kind of story, mm. but actually it's really profound because in life like there's so many it's like from season to season, and actually if you think that life is supposed to be like a, a walk in the park, then your your defenses or your um you're not equipped. Whereas if you see that actually there's there are elements of like different trials and experiences of maybe like the wilderness or being in the desert then your mindset is different when challenges come because you're not then taken out by them like oh my gosh I expected this to be easy you're actually like okay well you know I'm prepared for different challenges different stretching experiences not all of which will be like life shatteringly um heartbreaking some of them may just be tough Mm. but you're actually a bit more resilient Mm. around that Mm. Um, and one thing that you've also touched on is obviously your husband had um, a dream your Mm. friend Anna I think from Australia Mm. gave you the book Um, so I was just curious to know about um, what was the role if any and maybe not in this particular um, instance Mm. but just in life where do you see um, the importance of other people coming into your prayer life Um, Mm. and some of the things that you um, are believing for because sometimes especially like in the culture that I'm from, so like a lot of Nigerians and maybe Africans will like relate to this, but it's, it's sometimes a very keep your cards close to your chest for the things that you're expecting. Mm. Um, and yeah, it would just be interesting to get your perspective on how people can, how what role people play?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, <laughs> we do have to be careful who yeah. we share our deepest dreams and, and yeah. hopes with, right? And I think it's important to, you know, to get prayer support, but I think... Um, for, for, I mean that in in that instance, I, I I remember the Bailey family were really supportive in prayer. But apart from that, I pretty much felt like I was on my own. Wow. Um, and and that also comes down to the conviction thing of really feeling like this is what I meant to pray for right now, yes. which again comes out of prayer. Um, so I think sometimes when we're we're trying for a breakthrough, we when we're heading for something we feel we've that God has called us to pray for for breakthrough it can be quite a lonely road if I'm honest
0: I really agree with that um like I'm really also equally like big on the power of community and everything but I have learned especially in the last like maybe year and year and a half is that actually when you feel like just God is calling you to make a shift people are not going to understand and not in a bad way but it's just that you also don't need to bring anyone to a full sense of understanding because it's actually just your calling and it doesn't mean that any anyone's like pushed out of your life it's just more that you don't need the um approval or just for other people to say yes I get it for it to be your green green light to like continue in that yeah. expectation um and I think that's you know that's life and that's the beauty and maybe the challenge of faith. I think that faith is like such a double-edged sword because it's literally both and everything. Like I think of, I all, when I think about this like, I guess like loneliness or being alone in purpose, I always think of like Jesus or mm. um, in the Garden of Gethsemane specifically, because at the end of the day, he had his disciples, he went on this journey with people, but ultimately like the ultimate calling was like one on his own mm. and uh, obviously like he's a savior like, I'm not saying that we're we're called to do the exact same things as him, but I do think that his life is like a example to us, and it just shows you that actually people do come with you on the journey, but there are just some things that you're it's only you that's going to see the full mm. the full kind of picture or experience yeah. or you know um, and that yeah so so being alone in it is not necessarily. It doesn't mean that you've gone wrong basically. yeah
1: and i mean i think i had people praying but not i don't think i or i didn't share fully what i was doing with
0: people Yeah, the partly because it
1: sounded crazy <laughs> um i think you know yeah so
0: and what about um another thing that i really loved in everything that you were saying is that you know at the end of the day you had your life responsibilities, you had your children and and bringing up children is obviously such an important important thing yeah, to do. Sure. Like it's the yeah. reason why we're all here, really. Um, and what did you learn? Did you learn anything about the importance of, I guess, like staying at your post? So this is a, con- Absolutely. a concept yeah. that mm. I've heard before, like mentioned just like some different preachers that I know that actually... You have this idea. I mean, now I'm like, now my imagination is about to like golf. But let's say like you you felt this this call to do this this book, and maybe you thought actually you know I'm gonna move to America, and that's how I'm gonna try and sort it out. And you could have like gone and then like left, and maybe and I'm not judging and like maybe someone's listening to this and that's what they you Absolutely. know we all know what we're called to yeah, do right? sure, sure. Yeah. But um, sometimes things on paper look like the smart thing to do um but the question is actually what are we called to do so yeah just yeah the principle of staying at your post because it's easy to get a new idea or or feel the zeal of something you're called to do and like drop everything Mm. it's something I'm always trying to question myself on as well um but yeah do you have any just thoughts about the Concepts of staying yeah. at your post
1: Yeah absolutely I think for me it was quite easy To stay at my post in mm. one sense Because they were my kids I couldn't just yeah. you know And my husband was a pastor and all of that So in one sense staying at my post Was the only option mm. um, And so bloom where you, you know You're planted is, is absolutely what I was Trying to do um, and I think So given that given that, I thought well prayer is the only Way to promote this book yeah. You know I, I didn't have a bunch of time to go And learn how to promote it or gain a platform to promote it I I just didn't have time to do that or the expertise because I was trying to do the thing that God had given me to do originally so I was like well prayer was how the book got published so prayer is how everything else is going to have to work as well at this point in time Mm. and so one of the things that I prayed was that somebody famous would um, tweet about my book and then like that would cause many copies to sell because I wanted so the royalties for my book go to a, the, the a charity um and I really wanted that charity to get a lot of money so it's, like, it's great when you decide to give something away it's great you can kind of really pray for it yeah. kind of unselfishly yeah, <laughs> which yeah. is really nice so um I prayed that someone would do that and and I prayed that prayer four years ago I think five years ago and been praying on and off over the years and um and, inc- and incredibly, that's happened. Um, before Christmas, uh, someone emailed me and said, have you seen this? And, and it was a, an Instagram post by Chance the Rapper, who has nine and a half million, million. followers. And he had posted about how he was uh, reading the book um, on his sabbatical. And from that, it sold a year's worth of copies <gasps> in a month. Really? Yeah, which I didn't know at the time. Really? I only found out because I got a text saying, we've just had this check from... Um, from the publishing house to the charity you know do you know anything about this and it was a whopper and um so I was just so excited about that and I I, more than anything I was just excited that it was such an answer to prayer and it just goes to show you know I couldn't have generated that kind of interest no matter what I'd have done but prayer you know so I think you know sometimes God calls us to act and sometimes he says you can't do much but pray right now but that's okay Mm -hmm. because we have a God that can you know I mean I don't even know how he got the book yeah, <laughs> you know just it's just so
0: like <laughs> random yeah it's so like it's a, and I, I actually really lo- love this I can't believe actually we hadn't even talked about that because I think that was one of the first times I heard about the book when someone at church was like Chancellor Roberts you, uh, posted your book on Instagram and I was like <gasps> but um but I just find that amazing because and this is I think what you just said really hit home with me specifically because when you are like, I've had an experience maybe as like a first child or whatever, just my context of being very independent um, and understanding that what you put in is what you get out, which then puts a lot of pressure on, like I need to be doing X. Yeah, thing. for sure. Um, whereas actually, and that like you said, there is a time to work, there is a time to like put your hand to the plow. But ultimately, when you're in when you're in God or when you're in especially a deep place of prayer and um, communion with God, I I also feel like my prayers get refined. And I guess I wonder if, like you mentioned, um, well, you were able to kind of get the first phase done with prayer. So the rest of it's going to be done with prayer. I wonder if if you hadn't been in that place of prayer, would you even have had the um, creative inspiration to pray that somebody... Famous would actually be able to just give like because you could have sat there on Instagram and tried to like start to get your ten or twenty thousand followers and actually just by abiding like in Christ first, you actually have a more beautiful and creative and um like more I guess like not maybe more I'm not trying to compare anything but just a way that glor- glorifies God in such a radically different way than yeah I mm. worked and I hustled and mm. this is the result which is mm. like I said like there's a place for that but also you know, you can get so focused on the doing that you don't spend time on what is God saying and God might be saying something that can Absolutely. actually, like, accelerate you. Um mm.
1: It depends on the season you're in, I think. Like, yeah.
0: I literally couldn't do anything. So I was
1: like, rather than stress about the fact that I can't do anything because I've got these two small children, um, I'm just going to pray. And then there are other seasons where God might be saying in prayer, now do this, Yeah, and um and that's been an, as I've got less responsibility at home now. It, that is a new season for me now. Mm. Actually, having to sometimes step out and and do certain things. But I guess with that bedrock underneath of well, prayer changes everything. So
0: exactly, yeah. Because I think it's not about basically the what is second, what slash how I do it is secondary to um, what's God saying at first. Um, yeah, and it's that order we need to remember because sometimes, and I'm just saying it from my own experiences you plan the what and the how based on, you know, best practice and experience, which is all good. And then the prayer is like, okay, God, now like make the like add the extra like special stardust. And it's like, actually, it's the opposite order. Um, And I think that's, that's, for me, that's a key that maybe so many people need to remember that it's not, prayer isn't gonna just make your work extra shiny or like add a star to it. It's actually, it's the bedrock, like you said. And then the work comes out of that, Mm. whatever the work looks like. Um, So that's kind of super important. There was one, a couple of things I just wanted wanted to like continue and finish up on, which was um, when we first spoke, you mentioned that you had, and you've mentioned again that you wrote poetry and you had this passion to be a writer. And then at the end of this process, although I think it's an ongoing process, but kind of when the first phase was done and getting it out um, the first time, you then realized that actually you wanted to potentially go into film and tell stories in a different way. And I was just curious about how how did that happen? And did you feel any guilt by from changing your mind? Because sometimes I meet people and they're like, well, I've invested X amount of time into this project or this relationship or this um, field of work. And I don't want to change now, even though I feel like I need to. Um, so what, what did that kind of pivot look like for you?
1: uh i think i tried to uh, sorry i tried to write a book after that cuz the doors were open for me and i had yeah. the contacts which was great um and i tried to write another book um I, I of my own um and i kept reading other books thinking actually that book says it's slightly better than i would have mm. said it and so does that book and i started to think does the world really need a book from me i actually i don't think the world does <laughs> mm. and i don't didn't really sense that that was what god was calling me to do mm. and i think i've just had this lifelong thing in me about film and ever since I was a child thought about film a lot and making films and you know all of that stuff and so one day I was praying and I just said out loud what if I'm a filmmaker and I've just never made a film Mm. and I started to dare to think that that's what actually was was right and so i think the doors had opened there but the doors had opened because i feel that god wanted that book out there it wasn't necessarily to further my career or Mm. you know it was great that those doors were open but actually you had you do have to reassess and go well it does that mean then i just start churning out books just because those doors are open not necessarily actually yeah um and i feel more my core purpose is to tell stories through film so I've been working that out. I mean, I'm 41. I've been having a midlife for the few, yeah. <laughs> for a few years. And you have to be you have to be willing, I think, to say, okay, maybe I'll try this and and maybe that's what my my purpose is because actually ultimately I just want to fulfill the purpose that God has made me for.
0: Yeah. Um nothing else. Yeah. That's great. Thank you so much. I think so we you going to say something else. No. That's great. Um, yeah no thank you just for like taking the time out to be here I just feel like this is such a a key topic first of all well maybe because obviously I'm passionate anyone who listens to this podcast or has like read my blog or anything knows I'm like passionate about writing um so like hearing this story has been really important for me personally um but I also know that I I know so many people who have things that they want to bring into the world and this is just a story that you don't get to hear all the time you know you you hear you hear other stories and I think just seeing God at work and you at work you know through prayer and through doing is um yeah like 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 we, like a blueprint but not a blueprint because it's not it, it's never going to be the same story for anybody but almost just a reminder that actually th- these are the building blocks i.e prayer basically um and just trying to be as faithful as you can to what god has called you to do as opposed to what you think is a good idea um it's been so important so in, t- in terms of just like rounding up in everything. And again, we've really focused on this experience and I just wanna emphasize that we definitely don't see you or I definitely do not see you as just this book. Like I think sometimes in like modern media, people's identity then becomes like the one thing they've achieved or the two things they've achieved and it's not about that um i we just like this is the time that we had just to talk about this so but just to broaden it out now i suppose if there was one piece of advice you would give your younger self about anything it doesn't mm-hmm. have to be about mm-hmm. this book mm-hmm. um what would it be it would be that daily discipline is hmm. your your
1: friend to creative breakthrough? So I'm wow. a, I, I'm a total total creative, and I pick things up and I drop things, and I you know I, I, I struggle with that consistent daily life, and and um, but I'm I'm hugely creative, and that's who God God's made me to be, and I've learned to own that. I wish I could go back to my eight year old self and say daily discipline will unlock all of this, because wow. without that, without the daily discipline that you know that I'm Holds the hand of creativity. It it may not go anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that that is the Amazing. advice I would that I would give my younger self. And I think the w- one thing that was just on my heart that I just wanted to say, if that's okay, was that um I think we we can't just you know l- I had that big breakthrough, which is great, but that doesn't set you for life. Yeah. You know, you've just got to keep praying and keep picking things up with the Lord and keep keep praying and pressing in for the next for the next thing and it hasn't meant that I've never doubted God since it hasn't meant that either it's not (laughs) a it's not a kind of prize that says that's it you're sorted for life at all absolutely
0: (laughs) I think that is so key I'm so happy that you mentioned that because everything and actually something we were talking about yesterday in our MDMC which is like a equivalent of a cell group or connect group or small group is um, we were talking about this, like destination happiness, because you think when I get that job, or when I get this, or when I do this, then Uh -uh. everything is like smooth sailing. (laughs) And something that's been on my heart for the last few weeks is um, a verse that one of my other fellowship groups um, has been like one of our grounding verses for 2019, which is Psalm 130, verse 7, and in the Passion Translation, and it says something along the lines of, Oh Israel, keep hoping, keep trusting, Um, keep waiting on the Lord he has a thousand ways to set you free and the reason why that has been Mm. relevant for me in these few months is um, at first when I first read that I thought wow this is so beautiful like you know Um, I think I want one way out of of whatever situation Mm -hmm. and God has a thousand, Mm -hmm. great. And I think that is one interpretation. But after we went to a women's conference in May, um, at the dinner table, I was asked um, to talk about like being able to trust God again and again through different seasons. And that verse, the Holy Spirit brought that verse to my mind again. And my interpretation of it was just different. I I didn't even plan to say this; it just came out. But what I what I realised was actually that what if if, just entertain the thought that what if actually the encouragement to keep hoping keep trusting keep waiting on the Lord is not just for the one breakthrough but it's for the a thousand breakthroughs you know instead of it being oh there's one way and there's a thousand options what if actually Mm -hmm. life is a thousand you know you have one breakthrough in a certain area and then -hmm. you start trusting and hoping that it will happen again because you don't you no longer have the expectation that I just need that one thing Mm -hmm. because life is not like that Mm -hmm. if you needed that one thing then we would probably just be in heaven, but yeah. we're still here, you know. If that's so, it. That's kind of boring, right? Exactly. Just that
1: one breakthrough.
0: <laughs> exactly. And maybe there's just a thousand. And are we going to keep mm-hmm. trusting and hoping as we go through the different phases that life brings mm-hmm. and the different break- mm-hmm. breakthroughs that we pray for at each level um or at each experience of life? So, um yeah, I think, yeah, that's like the perfect way to end, actually um so thank you so much thank for joining you us. thank you for having amazing. me it's been great thank you as always don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on spotify or apple music follow us on instagram at the gathering cast that's at the gathering cast